Mayberry, the show where we watch old television to find out why your grandpa's brain is broken. <laughs> I am your host, Marty Schneider. One of them, anyway. I'm the other one, Dan Ludwig. And we have a special guest today, our legal counsel, Ian Roberts, comes back to the second time. Thank you. It's great to be here. Just making it clear, I'm not your legal counsel, but I'm your friend. You are my phone call if I ever get arrested. Yeah, no, we, I'll, I'll no, we, we want that to be clear. Ian Roberts does represent us, and everything that is <laughs> Legally, legally, this is admissible in a court of law. Okay. If any legal complaints against Breaking Mabry should be addressed to the offices of Ian Roberts. <laughs> we'll S- put his, we'll put his phone number in, yeah. the, in the show notes, his personal phone number. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, before we get started today, a couple of things I want to talk about, a couple of announcements. By the way, special thank you to our new Twitter patron, Jack, who just jumped in today. And has now access to all of the bonus material, including the Andy Griffith fanfic episode we recorded last week. A thing we sure did. It's definitely a thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, Special thanks to Jack, and also uh, special thanks to somebody we should have mentioned months ago, Patreon patron Sorry, who also is contributing, and also has access to all that good, good extra content. Plug the content more. Yeah, if you want to help support Breaking Mayberry on Patreon... And have access to early episodes and bonus episodes and deleted scenes, etc., etc. You can go to patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. Uh, or if you want to help support us in a way that doesn't involve actually giving us money, totally understood, you can still help us out by telling your friends, subscribing and liking on iTunes so that we get into different algorithms and get into more people's ears and really help us out by leaving us a nice little review. Only the nice ones. Don't hurt us. Speaking of nice reviews... Our other patron, Ingrid, on Twitter, I was at Ingrid underscore Atkinson. That sounds right. Said something real nice about us on Twitter. I want to give us a shout out. Uh, She mentioned that for the past couple of years, she's been struggling uh, and living with a mother who has terminal cancer. And she wanted to bring in some positivity and talk about all the podcasts that she's recommended to her mom. And we're on the list for some reason. We're number one on the list that she recommended. Utterly humbling. Like, incredibly humbling. I don't really that know. It is very humbling, especially since we're trashing a show that she used that she might have used to watch. Oh, absolutely. That is explicitly, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what she said, as a matter of fact, because uh, she was born in 1951. Okay. Um, so, thank you, Ingrid, and thank you to Ingrid's mom. Uh, we wish you all the best, and thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and you are wonderful. Thank you so much. And, uh... <laughs> express adequately yeah we were pretty well thrown for a loop on that one yeah completely blown away that is it for the uh house cleaning and stuff the house is cleaned so today so we brought ian on for his legal expertise and also because he was he's a great guest and a great guy to have his sparkling personality for my sparkling personality i'll take that yeah so we're gonna kick off today's shenanigans 
with Season 2, Episode 4, Mayberry Goes Bankrupt, directed by Uncle That Just Found a Quarter Behind Your Ear, Bob Sweeney. Bumbling World War II General, Bob Sweeney. And written by Jack Ellenson and Charles Stewart. Originally airs October 23rd, 1961. As always, here is our one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy is forced to evict an old man for failing to pay back taxes. But he finds a century-old savings bond among the man's possessions, which has grown to an outrageously high value. Dan, do you want to set the stage for us in the first scene? It opens with yelling. A bunch of guys, a bunch of just random mustachioed white guys are in the mayor's office just yelling incoherently. Like, this is the episode where, this is one of the first episodes I've watched where we see the mayor. And I remember when I first was on here, you mentioned that he's a rarely seen egg-shaped man. He is indeed egg-shaped. He is adorable. He is <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> we love the mayor. The mayor! So, so wait, the, the my impression of, like, these, of the group of white guys yelling at the mayor, though, is that they were the city council, or that they're bank no. employees. So, or maybe, or, okay, so I'm wrong, they're not the town council? Well, the okay. town council is basically whoever is in the room with the mayor at the time. Okay. There yeah. was a big election episode... There was a big deal about a woman running for town council, and then it turns out... I guess she did, didn't win? No, oh, she, she... She evaporated into thin air. Yeah. She's not on the show she, she won despite voter suppression, and then promptly was written out of the show and never named again. Yeah. Uh, she who must not be named. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it started out as a joke that, like, oh, the the, the town council or the government of Mayberry who is whoever is in the room with the mayor. Okay. And it started out as a joke, and has rapidly become... Very, very true. It's canon now. Yeah, none <laughs> of these guys have ever been seen before. Yeah, and no. the, Yeah. And we don't see them again. Yeah, like okay. sometimes the city council is just two old white men. It's always old white men. Yeah. Uh, like just, it's like a weird like oligarchy of semi, of like wealthy white men of Mayberry who just yell at the mayor and he just goes like, <laughs> you all have authority, I assume. That's why you're in here. But, but it, it should be noted that at one of the men that's in this room is like, the head of the town bank. And that's yes. relevant. And the town treasurer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which sounds like a conflict of interest to me. In but a okay. town that's full, that just wraps <laughs> that, those up. That's yes. how they run on that. Right? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a that, form of currency. In yeah. <laughs> it's, you're not somebody in Mayberry unless you're... Uh, Wildly on, corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> a massive conflict of interest. Uh, but yeah, so there it's a bunch, a cacophony of, of rich white dudes screaming at the mayor, and Andy is just kind of like sitting, standing off to the side, as he often does during government meetings, just sort of like... Wishing arms. he didn't have to be there? Exactly, just kind of like like brow furrowed, just kind of like staring angrily at the proceedings. Democracy in action. I, I, yeah, this like... Weird... It'd be so much better if I could just do things. I, t- I tend to solve things already, already myself. Why do we even need this egg shape, man? Soon you will all be consolidated. That was that was a very Tennessee Williams yeah. portrayal of Andy. <laughs> that, that was an Andy Griffith who sits on his front porch talking about how it's good to own land. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the most sinister Andy Griffith rendition we've had so far. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just a bunch of old men yelling, and then eventually emerges from this yelling that the topic of the conversation. Frank. What Frank? Frank Myers. Myers. Frank Myers, uh, who is behind on his mortgage, is in up to his eyeballs in debt to the bank. Yeah, they say that he hasn't paid taxes right. in the past eight quarters, and I feel like you could have just said two years. Yeah, you could. That's yeah. way easier to say. But he, 
So yeah, he's two years behind in paying like property taxes, well, and also his house is an eyesore. Well, yeah. they're like bank, em- they're they're bank employees. They're not people. They think in terms of quarters. That's fair. That's but fair. about his fares, his his house is not just an eyesore. His well, I guess we haven't technically gotten to his house yet, but I have things to say about his house. <laughs> his, right. His uh, yeah, but they're like, they're, it's really the thing that sticks out. They're like. Hey, uh, he's he's behind on his taxes, and his house is ugly. And like their their big thing, they're freaking out about is apparently there's one road into Mayberry, and you have to pass, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to pass his house to get in. So he's like, everyone's seeing his disgusting ass house and assuming that we're a bunch of backwoods hicks because his house is gross. Well, that actually makes sense when you see his house. Like that's kind, of, they kind of have a point. Yeah, oh, no, it should definitely be condemned. But it, it, it's it's still that weird thing of like money doesn't matter in Mayberry. The only thing that matters is appearances. Right. Like, it's very weird because yeah. like they're trying to make the case that money does matter, but yet yeah. like, it, it, yeah. it, it feels like they'd be willing to cut him a break if he were like in keeping with the town's rural aesthetic. Yeah. Again, again, more hot fuzz connections. Yeah. <laughs> so to be clear, Andy's being asked to evict Frank. Because they don't want to keep molly coddling him. I just loved that phrase, and I wrote. I made sure I had to write that down. I'm like molly coddling. Stop molly coddling the man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, and they they say like you're wasting your sympathies. Like really, really cold. <laughs> yes. And Andy's just like I don't want to fucking evict. Uh, he, Andy says he's had a run of bad luck, and they're saying like, well, tough shit. His, uh, his house is ugly. This is the second time we've seen Andy have to serve an eviction notice, by the way. Yeah. Really? To be clear. And, uh, and worked out about as well for the last guy, too. So. Okay. To, like, the show's credit, I do like, uh, as a feature of Andy Griffith, that he fucking hates serving eviction notices. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it. Which a lot of small-town sheriffs, I imagine, is just like, oh, the fun part of the job. Right. Right. Like, hell yeah. I might get to tase someone today. All right, so Andy reluctantly goes to Frank's house. Which looks like it belongs to Leatherface. Like, you could seriously take a still, like an establishing shot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and put it in the opening credits. Uh, Yeah. When you you saw this house, there's junk everywhere. Looks like there could be burning tires off screen, and there's randomly animals. Like, he's not a farmer. (laughs) They're just a bunch of chickens. This is, I don't know, probably the sixth or seventh time we've seen chickens on this show. And I feel like the CBS studios just had a real good deal... Or just like a real shitty contract, maybe, <laughs> with the chicken handler. And it's just like, every third episode, I get to put my chickens in. There's There was like a studio exec who would just be like, I, I worry that people won't get that it's in the South. Can we add more chickens? <laughs> like, just like, just like hucking chickens into the scene. Like, do another. Yeah. Do another. Southern. southern. Be, it's southern now. <laughs> to be clear, like, Andy can't sit down because there's chickens on the couch. Yes, mm. yeah, they have to, he has to, what's the name of the chicken? Like, it, that, there's like a recurring chicken that's always I, in the way. It was, Louise? He was like Louise, yeah. yeah. I just think he's just like wandering around yelling at chickens. It's been very, he's like the only person in Mayberry who isn't a farmer and he has the most chickens. Mm-hmm. Like, very weird, or, a very weird arrangement, kind of a gonzo situation going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Andy has to deliver the eviction notice, and he keeps bugging Frank, like, isn't there any way you can get the money? You know, and Frank's, this is, this is a, a kind of funny bit where Frank says that business was bad, and Andy's like, you can change your business! Right, because his business is, quote-unquote, berries, making plastic berries for women's hats, and he's really weirdly fixated on it. Yeah. He, he says that it's going to come back into fashion any day now. Which is, like, 
immediately I feel like it's supposed to like set you off on the tone of like, okay, well fuck Frank a little bit. But yeah. I was just kind of like, man, this guy's too crazy to take yeah, care of all, himself. All that told me is that Frank does not have all of his facilities. Yeah, I've got my 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 finger on the pulse of America, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he, he's like starts showing him hatberries. It's like the kind of like really weird, super specific uh, career path that a crazy person comes up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm gonna design artisanal shoelaces. <laughs> it is it is an eccentric business model that only works if you already have money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a trust fund baby job. Yeah. 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 So one one thing that's like that's a little that I'm a little bit unclear on is just the basis of this because it sort of sounds like a tax foreclosure, but it sort of sounds like he's behind on his mortgage. Like usually, what happens is that. The bank that collects the mortgage also collects taxes, like that's included in the mortgage payment that you do, and they pay taxes for you. If you already paid it off, it's not like the city can just repossess your house. They, you know, do like separate things. It's like a lien on the property because the taxes follow the property, not the person. I mean, Um, this whole thing would have to go through a judge, correct? If he wanted to, if he wanted to fight it and dispute it, then it would go in front of a judge. It's hard to determine because not only is this 1960 is this 1961, but it's also TV land. So uh, it's yeah. unclear what exactly the due process is here. And as we've already talked to, as we've talked about on the previous episode where I've appeared, due process doesn't really exist either in TV land uh, like North Carolina or maybe in actual North yeah. Carolina in nor- 1962. So uh, yeah. I wonder if this is a thing where just like Stuart and Ellenson, obviously not having any legal expertise whatsoever, are just using the phrases mortgage and taxes kind of interchangeably with each other. I mean, I mean they're kind of using it loosely, but it, it, it's, it does kind of sound like he's just behind on his mortgage and the bank is taking it, but there's no reason the mayor should be involved in that. Uh, they do mention that the bank is, keeps giving him loans and he's behind on all of the loans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So they have, like... But I think they are just kind of using all these terms as just like house money. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a it's kind of a word salad of different things. I yeah. mean, if, if you want a question for why the mayor's there, like maybe it's because the mayor is the only person who technically has any authority to tell Andy to do something. That's true. So, the right. only time that they haven't used Andy as the the town judge, they use the mayor. Okay. Yeah. Which again, conflict of interest, but fucking whatever. Yeah, 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 pretty weird there. Yeah, but yeah, so they sit down and he starts like trying to like t- like help Frank figure out his finances. Frank has absolutely no handle on the severity of the situation. Oh yeah, he handles impending homelessness pretty well. He really does not seem like he knows what is going on. Like this, this makes me sad. This is a man who is an old man who is not fully cognizant of the world around him. Could this be the first uh, unknowing uh, television depiction of, like, dementia or Alzheimer's? Definitely seems like it. Like, he has a very... Like, he's not... He's not there. He has, like, a, a only, a, like, it seems like a 30% understanding of the world around him yeah, at any maybe given 45. time. Maybe 45. 45. <laughs> uh, give him a charitable 45. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing that bummed me out was, like, Andy at no point is, like, so do you have any family... Like, do you have kids or a brother or anyone that can, like, help you out? He's just like... All... Just me and these chickens. Yeah, he's just like, what parts of your house can you sell? Like... Yeah. He immediately jumps to just like, let's just start, like, getting rid of, like, anything that you have to get money. That's a value, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, like, start selling off Frank's life for scrap. Andy does issue the eviction notice, and he apologizes, and Frank thanks him and forgives him. Next scene. Well, uh, well wait, wait. Yeah, aren't they still, like, going through his box of stuff then? Oh, no, no, wait, no, that's the, later. The okay, that's, that's in the next scene. Okay, you're right. Okay. I do also want to mention, Frank 
Frank is adorable. Yeah, Frank is, yeah. The actor who plays Frank is is just delightful. Do Was you, he in something else? Uh, so he's best known for uh, he's another one of the Western guys. This show has gone through a lot of like Western character actors. Okay. Uh, so most uh, most known as a character in the Hopalong Cassidy movie series. Okay. Uh, uh, and. Um, he was also the farmer that was, like, the dad on Lassie. Okay. Okay. Wait, he was the dad on Lassie? I think so, yeah. That's okay, so the main character. Yeah, that's, yeah. like, his claim to fame, I guess. I mean, he's, like, the best, like, actor they've had on in a minute, I think. Um, nope, you know what? Never mind. Uh, reading this now. Uh, he's, like, a side, he's, like, the, the neighbor character. Oh, on Lassie. okay, Never yeah. Mind. So oh, he's, okay. yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, I Frank is adorable. He's like a like pretty good actor. Like, yeah, yeah, decent actor. Yeah. He has a bit of a pedigree. I'm not going to say not not the best actor we've had, because it's definitely uh, Gene Harlow from Andy and the Woman's Beater from the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, scratch that. She was Academy Award nominated. Yeah, never mind. All yeah. right, so the next thing, they're on the porch. We're back on Andy's house, and he's on the porch. With Aunt B and, uh, and, uh, Opie. Opie, yeah. And Opie's kind of, like, absentmindedly playing with some toys or whatever. Just, like, bashing toy soldiers and, together. And he, Andy's, like, got his guitar out, but he's not really playing. He's just kind of, like, he's not even tuning it. Isn't he's he just, just like, strumming? He's just kind of, like, plinking around, basically. Yeah. He's not playing an actual song. And there's a reason I'm mentioning that. Okay. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But, basically... Ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically... Aunt B and Andy are like just saying, "Oh, it's a shame that you had to evict him," and they're talking about the situation. And Opie, so this is like a like a real like out of the mouths of babes kind of thing yeah. that old people love to do. Uh, and Opie says, "Paul, what's evicting? Hmm? What's evicting? Oh, that means turning somebody out of their house." I tried to get the council to stall, but why? Hmm? Well, well, for not paying the taxes. The law says if you don't pay your taxes, well, you got to go. And mayor and that council, they sure are set in their ways. Where? Well, you... where? Sure. If you move out of your house, where do you move to? Oh, you move to another house. That mayor, he gets something under his bonnet, and you can't budge him. Oh, that Mr. Myers has another house to move to. No, well, not exactly. Then where's he gonna move to? Well, he'll move in with somebody who's got room for him. Like us? Well, no, not us. Why not? We got an extra room. Well, now, Opie, that extra room is for a relative who might come to visit us or a friend. Mr. Myers is a friend. He's always been real nice to me. Well, you see, Opie... Well, if you're the one that's telling him to move, it looks like you ought to be the one to give him a place to move to. Well, now, I'm not sure Frank would want to move in with us. Why not ask him? Well, you see, son. <laughs> now, Opie, you just don't understand. You can't ask people to come and live with you. What's eviction? I think, I, I feel like this is, in terms of moral I, lack of reprehensibility, I think it's the best scene that Andy, like, it's the Andy Griffith show at its moral best so far, I think, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, you know, so they kind of take the basic thing that, hey, maybe people shouldn't be homeless, which yeah. is a thing I can get by. Or they're sort of like taking, like, they take on that thing that people do in times of tragedy of just like, oh, that's a really sad thing that's happening over there, and yeah. it'd be inconvenient for me to engage with. 
like... Yeah, so so Opie kind of forces Andy's hand, essentially, completely absentmindedly. He doesn't even make eye contact with his father this entire time, we should point out. He's staring at the toys. He does not actually care too much about what's happening. He's just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He's just, like, he's just, like, like just asking questions and just, like, spitting bullshit and uh, completely just, like, accidentally shames two adults. And, and so they decide, all right, well, we've got a spare bedroom. We're going to take in Frank. And then Andy starts really playing and picking and grinning and, and the bluegrass playing. And I realized that's just because he was happy. But I like to think that maybe Andy's guitar playing ability stems directly from, like, how righteous he can be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, it's his, like, moral, like, level up bar. Exactly. It's, it's his, yeah, it's like the health bar. He right? has achieved bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Like, there's going to be an episode where he does something really shitty and just like, I can't play! My hands feel like stone! Uh, alright, so... Uh, yeah, so they... Yeah, we're really, like, clipping through this. So the the next scene is, um... Andy and Opie come back from a fishing day, but they're already moving Frank into the guest room. Uh, which, I'm just gonna say, hideous guest room. Really horribly, like, tackily decorated. Hated that. Mm-hmm. I, I, fuck you, Andy Griffith set designers. Wait, we saw we saw the guest room. Like, I thought they were just in the living room. room. I thought that they were just yeah. I thought yeah, that they, they were, were just, just in the living room, room too. Yeah. I, I didn't think that they had a set for the guest room. Uh, is that, is Maybe that, just the le- living is, room looks hideous. Is this a li- hideous living room? And I think it might be a different living room than we've seen before. Actually, another thing. It actually could have been. Yeah, I mean, mention it. Honest, the sets are like all black and white, so they all kind of blur together. They do, for me. sort of. Um, but yeah, so. They uh, like they they're they're moving Frank in and they they start on like the the breakdown of Frank's valuables. Right, they right. got they go through a box of stuff that like maybe Frank could sell. He right. has like he breaks out his lockbox and he's like, "This is oh these are my valuables. These are really important for me to uh, to bring out of the right. house that I was just evicted of." And Andy was like, "Let's see what we can sell because right. it, it's." Like, I feel like it's, Andy's motivation isn't like, we're going to find something in this lockbox that's so valuable that you can afford to keep your house. It's like, let's find something in this lockbox that's valuable enough that we can get you a fucking hotel. Yeah, get you out of my house. Yeah. Which is not unreasonable. Like, you can still be charitable and also not want to adopt a homeless person. Yeah. No, it is like, it is a weird thing up until this point, like. There's been a lot of hand-wringing on Andy's part and a lot of, like, you know, like, talk of morality. But it is still, like, weird to just see, like, the mayor, this, like, roly-poly little doof, just be like, send send this old man to die! Like, because they are, like, Frank has no family, no ability to make money, no, like, way to support himself whatsoever, and, like, no, he doesn't have the faculties to find a new house. Like That's he, true. he will one hundred percent be like under a propped up piece of wood on the side of the uh, on the side of the highway, just not totally sure where he is within like two weeks. So, so the ma- the mayor is an asshole that we've that we've established. Yeah, and uh, Frank himself is not really cognizant of the world. But here's my question: like, it's like Andy doesn't even consider what's going on until Opie points it out to him. Mm-hmm. Like, what did he think was going to happen until he had to explain it to Opie? Like, that's the oh, first thing. He, he definitely knew it was going to happen. He just was, he just like, 
you know, felt like, he didn't feel like he had to do something about it until, like, Opie said something. Because he wants to be a good dad to Opie. Like, that's the, that's his main, that's Andy Griffith's, like, redeeming quality that, that carries, that carries on, despite all the other stuff that is, like, dated and horrifying right. from America's perspective. Dad. I mean, yeah. he recognizes that the situation sucks and is immoral. Like, he's like, oh, this is really bad and I hate it. Like, the big clincher was when Opie was like, so where is he gonna go? And Andy was just like, uh, like, playing his guitar? Well, probably nowhere. He's probably going to die within a week. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got me, Opie. Really, really smart, logical trap. Like, <laughs> Alright, so so they go through the, uh, the box, and if you were not certain that Frank has a little bit of dementia or is a little confused before, this scene really cinches it. Because they pull through, like, some of the stuff. And it's all worthless, but he's... And he figures out that it's worthless later, but he talks about it, like... He pulled up the World Fair medallion, he's like, this is real copper, and it's very clearly not. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, like, an, an, an anachronism, because the World's Fair, I believe, ended in 1913 rather than 14. Okay, that... That's good information to know. God damn it, you always do more research than this. Also, how are you able to eyeball whether or not a thing is or is not copper? Yeah, how can you tell? It's white. black and white. You said that with such confidence. Yeah, I you were really confident <laughs> I said that because of Andy's reaction. What's oh. Andy's reaction? Did he? Andy, Andy just kind of slides it away, like, uh huh, sure. No, he it's, was, it really. It, I mean, even if it was made of copper, it's not like <laughs> copper's that valuable, yeah. even in nineteen sixty. Yeah, it, really, it really felt like it really felt like he was just sitting there, like, and this is a very rare flattened penny. Yeah, <laughs> we made a trade in from it in indentation into it. No, he was like, it, it might as well have been like. Oh, this is a laminated badge from Comic-Con. Right. That's real paper. Like, that was, yeah. that's what it basically was. And Andy was like, okay, so who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what's the what's the next thing? Because I remember one thing. The about... Milwaukee spoon. Yeah. Wait, I, okay, no, wait. Okay, it, so this it, one. Was it a pie server or was it an absinthe spoon? He just said spoon, but I... it's got holes in it. It's very. If it's a spoon, then it's then it might actually be an absinthe spoon. How, I'm not absinthe? sure if that would make sense for Milwaukee. No, it was it was okay. a pie server. It was big. Yeah, yeah it, was it was big. A, it was too big to be a spoon, it but it big, looked uh, like somewhere between a pie server and an absinthe. I mean, spoon. It, it also may have been like a decorative spoon, like a commemorative plate. Okay, so let's 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 yeah. clear this up. The next thing that Opie pulls out is a spoon. It's got holes in it that are in a pattern in its shape, and it's a giant. It looks like a pie server. You're correct. I say uh, it looks like an absinthe spoon. And, uh, oh, they don't do absinthe in Milwaukee. You're thinking of Buffalo. Okay. Anyway, we keep saying Milwaukee because Frank says that it's a souvenir spoon and it's designed to look like the skyline of Milwaukee. And this one, you guys can't fucking call me out on. It doesn't look like a fucking skyline of anything. No, <laughs> it's horseshit. It just, it's just a series of like small, vague holes. Like, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything of anything. So that clearly, that's like bullshit or made up. Yeah, there's other things that are in there like uh, a whalebone napkin ring, uh, a button hook. Yeah, uh, like what? Uh, a hook that you use to button books. Wow, I thought it was boots. No books. Oh, books. He okay. says like book, and then he after he's like. Books used to have buttons. I bet you're too young to know that, which I also I feel like I should have done some background background research on that because what? What? That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's I a guess 99% would... invisible episode yeah. right there. I, I guess you I guess because like if you're going to like close it and like button it closed, like you know, like, like a, a diary? Like a diary has a clasp, maybe that was more common for some books. But I don't why, know. Why did you need a hook for that? I don't hell, hell if I know. That's 
Yeah, no. Leather stretches. I don't know why they why they need a hook. That's bad shit. All right, let's get to the plot of the episode. Okay, yeah. The thing that they pull out of the box is a savings bond worth. It's not immediately clear whether it's a savings bond, what type of bond it is. And, okay. this, and this definitely tripped me up. Alright, so, so it is a blank bond. It's it is bond some sort of government bond. Written yeah. for $100 at 8.5% interest. That is from 1861, so 100 years old. Yes, and I have written in my, written in my notes, in all caps, underlined, How do you forget you have something <laughs> like that? You know, then again, he's basically a homeless hermit who think who thinks that making plastic hat berries is his life's calling. But still, well, like seriously, there is the there is a hint of what the deal was because he's like, I had this framed and I've been meaning to get it reframed. And right. the question is like, why the fuck would you have a bond framed that doesn't make any goddamn like sense? your first dollar that you right, earned? Yeah, yeah, no, just like oh yeah, no, here's some money that I could cash here in a frame. Like it's and and everyone just like. No one asks any follow-up questions. So, based off of the twist about the bond that is eventually revealed, right. everyone else should have asked a follow-up question of, like, why the fuck would like, would a sensible person not cash this? And he's just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm senile as shit. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm old and eccentric. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, Andy sees that. He does, like, some math in his head. And he goes to the phone and is like, get me the bank immediately. Right. So next scene, right, is in the mayor's office. Right. The mayor. The mayor is in a meeting, but he's uh, Andy enters with Frank. Uh, and is he? Is the banker in this one too? Yeah. Yes. So, so the banker and Andy enter. The banker with Frank. slash treasurer of the town. Yeah. yeah uh, whose name I will never uh, remember. Oh, hang on, I have it right here. It's Harlan Fergus. <laughs> oh, damn it! That is that. That first name sucks ass, and that last name rules. <laughs> So yeah, Har- Harlan Fergus is there, and he uh, he and Andy both seem to understand that uh, they're in deep shit. Yeah, and but and he they bring in Frank, and they're like, "All right, the mayor, here's Frank," and the mayor is like, "Get this piece of human garbage away from me! I don't give a shit! <laughs> I don't care about any of you! I aren't, can't talk about Frank! Aren't you supposed to be in a box down by the river? Fuck off!" Like the mayor for this episode is let it. He's adorable, but he's an adorable monster. Yes. The mayor is, by all accounts, the fucking devil for this episode. Uh, And and then, just like, get him away from me. Why are we spending another second of thought on this human being? And then Harlan Fergus is like, yeah, you're going to want to make a lot of time for this fucking guy. Yeah. So, according to the computational machines down at the bank, and as Andy points out, and they're good machines... Ian, have, wanna... to, have to say, uh, the figure that they come up with is exactly accurate. Do you? I feel, Ian. Do you want to do your uh, sinister version of Andy Griffith? The those good computational machines. Those good computational machines. Fucking, I love it. He's got the best. I he, love it. Yeah, he's got the best Southern accent. Um, my he, dad was from Asheville. I I know how people from there talk. <laughs> anyway, so the computation machines say that they owe, and like we've. $249,119.27. And normally at this point, this is where we're like, oh shit, let's figure out what that is. But I don't need to do that right now because the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki has already done it for me. Oh shit, okay. I was I thought I was going to be the one contributing <laughs> this, but tell us how much that is worth in 2018 dollars. Uh, in 2017 dollars. 2017 dollars. It is uh, 
I'll just round it. It's 2.8 2. million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. is actually, for a one street town, that's actually a big fucking problem. That's a yeah. huge problem. Yeah, that would be a big fucking problem for a rel- for a relatively large city. Like, the, the city that we are currently doing this podcast in, it would be a problem. Let me just, let, let yeah. me just, like, make that clear. Yeah, you could not, you couldn't, like, pull three million dollars out of our budget without somebody going... Wait a second. Yeah. Without yeah. some like municipal employee running into traffic. Right, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it's like two point eight million dollars. And they even say that the whole town only has like five thousand dollars total. Yeah. Which does seem low for nineteen sixty one, but okay. Yeah. I think they the the town has an extremely slim operating budget. They That's basically true. just need to pay Andy and Barney and every everything else just. And runs the mayor. Out. And the and the mayor. Yeah. Although, I, yeah, fuck. So they, they you really, can pay the mayor in honey. And yeah. <laughs> they, they pay the mayor in peeps. <laughs> yeah. So and they're like, oh shit! Like you know, the town is now underwater. And then like the next scene that we see Myers in, he's like sitting down on his couch, smoking a cigar like Tony Soprano. He's, he's smoking a cigar like Tony Soprano with the most vacant expression. Like yeah. he's, he's the eyes of a goldfish, just like just like absentmindedly puffing yeah. while having still only a forty five percent understanding <laughs> yeah. of what the fuck is going on. He knows that they owe him money, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's just like they they offer a settlement, and he. It wasn't five thousand. It was ten thousand dollars, right? Because he says that the ten thousand will make a nice down payment on the money that he right. The ten thousand would make him nice net down payment on what he owes them. But I mean, I need to make it clear here. Like at this point in the story, you know, based on these facts, as a lawyer, Frank Myers needs a lawyer, okay? Because you know, t- it's too bad that lawyers appear non-existent in Mayberry, at least in, in the episodes that I've they've, watched. They've, they've been like mentioned in passing, right? Like, but been said they, that they, they don't work. actually seem to like physically exist. Yeah. It's been said that they had to take like other jobs because there's no work for them, right? Okay. I, I feel like every in between episodes, there's like a guy like, "Hi, I'm a practicing attorney. I want to move to Mayberry," and Andy's like, "You get out of here. Yeah. You go." There are like 28 bodies of attorneys that tried to move into town. Buried in Mayberry Creek. Yeah, so they just have, like, farmers that happen to have law degrees. Yeah. At this point in the story, based on these facts, Frank Myers definitely needs a lawyer because he's kind of got Mayberry by the balls. Or by the berries, I guess, in Frank's case. Um, (laughs) Well done. (laughs) You did a good idea. Because, like, basically, here's the thing, all right? Municipal bankruptcy is a relatively rare thing. It happens, like, you know, in California, it's, it's a problem because... It's, you know, there's apparently the, there's statutes in California that towns have a cap in terms of how much taxes they, uh, what their tax rate can be. And that's both, and that's created problems both in creating municipal bankruptcies and also it's helped fuel the housing crisis because uh, they can't, you know, as easily raise uh, taxes on, um, on land. Sorry. Um, I'm not licensed in California though, so I'm not, nece- I don't necessarily know, know the specifics of this, but like. You know, cities and bankruptcy, they don't have to pay creditors while they negotiate ways to handle its steps. But on the flip side, the whole fact that the city's got the power to collect taxes, which is kind of what, like, led them to evict Frank in the first place, their power to collect taxes means that cities generally have a really fucking hard time convincing a judge that they can't legitimately pay their debts because they've got that income stream. So they're in a fucking pickle here because it's really hard for them to say we have no means of paying this enormous bankrupting bill. Because, I mean, a bond is essentially just, it's like a check, or it's like a promissory note 
fr- just from the government. It's, yeah. It's a pretty ironclad contract. You know, if somebody owns a government bond, the government literally owes them money. If the town can't pay it, this was the thing I was, like, kind of raising an eyebrow at. Yeah. If the town can't pay it, it doesn't just get, like, kicked up the line to the state. It depends on the type of bond, first off. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Basically, like, what would most likely happen kind of in a modern situation if, like, say, somebody, like, in an eastern coast American city, like, woke up and had a ancient bond from the city? Because usually, like, the, the way I envisioned this is that back when America was expanding out from the east coast, out west, through the Midwest, to the, to the west coast... Like, you know, towns needed ways to, like, raise money, and that was one of the ways. Bonds were a lot more common back when, you know, there was a, an American frontier. Yeah. Um, it was basically a way of investing in your own community and stuff like that. It was a serious thing. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, what would most likely happen is some sort of settlement where they wouldn't have to pay him in one lump sum, but it would kind of be like what Frank proposed, is that they would pay him a down payment, and then they would make, you know, monthly payments in probably the form of an annuity is what he would likely get. But... He would probably die before they paid him off. He would probably die before they paid him off, but his estate would sure own it, and that's why he needs a fucking lawyer. Okay? (laughs) But the the arrangement that they come to is Andy just, like, walks up to Frank later and just says, like, they can't pay. Right, right. He seems to let that go really easily. And, like... I, I do have written down here that, like, Mayberry might be able to apply for relief from the state, depending on how TV land North Carolina's laws are written. But, like, Myers gives up way too quickly. He could get the money with a lawyer or get a lot of it, depending on the settlement, yeah, very but, but, easily. This is a or, pretty ironclad contract. Like or work out a settlement where he just doesn't have to pay his mortgage ever again. Well, that's a different thing, because that's... The city of Mayberry owes him money. His mortgage is owned by the bank. Right. Two different things. So it's not like the bank and the city of Mayberry are necessarily the same institution. They I mean, treat they it like it's the same. In, they're treated <laughs> like the same institution. When uh, when Frank tries to cash the bond, the mayor goes like, uh, Harlan, you cash it with your bank. And Harlan's response is not, that's not my bank's responsibility. It's, fuck you. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't wanna. Right. And I mean, it's it's like... I, I can't remember what exactly Harlan's response is, but, like, that also seems kind of wrong, because it's not the bank that would be paying it, it's the city treasury. Yeah. No, the mayor... I mean, Har- Harlan has his hands in both purses, but, you know. Yeah. The right. mayor to- doesn't totally understand the difference between those two things. I mean, to be fair, they are kind of all blurry. Right? Yeah. Not, not a whole lot of separation of powers in Mayberry. Yeah. Mayberry and, is like operating in like a corporate estate yeah. where there is like an, a, a very like uh, ominous intermingling between business and government. Right. So yeah. it's, it's it's sort it's semi-fascist, and I mean yeah. I don't I don't know a ton about like government bonds and stuff like that, but I would imagine that. Well, then again, it was if it was issued in the mid eighteen hundreds, it might not have. But I would imagine a lot of government bonds have like a sunset provision where the interest stops accruing. That was what Frank assumed. Uh-huh. He, he said like, well, this... That is what he assumed. Yeah, this... And he was like, I in modern days, that might be true. Yeah, he was like, I definitely can't cash this because it's definitely expired. And right. Andy goes like, there's no expiration date on this. Yeah. Which did happen in very specific circumstances, which relate to the, the twist. Oh, right. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, let's go, go ahead and skip to the scene we've already kind of discussed where... Uh, basically, Andy walks in and says the town can't pay, mm, yeah. uh, and 
uh, Frank is like a little bit upset, but he's not upset enough to like lawyer up. Like, but yeah, he gives up way too easily. He's upset. He has the town by the balls. Yeah, he's upset because, and this is back to that first scene. He wanted to clean up his place and make it so the town wouldn't be ashamed of his house. You stupid old man! Yeah, you stupid, stupid old man! Yeah, the lawyer in me is 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 like really pissed off at this client right now. No, Andy is very clearly taking taking like advantage of a confused old man. Where Harlan's like, like Arlen, he walks in and Frank is uh, on Sky Mall basically. (laughs) He's like, I'm gonna buy this and this and this. He's got got, like three Robux catalogs, Sears Robux catalogs in front of him. He's sitting on a Sears Robux catalog. Yeah, yeah, and and Andy just comes in and be like. Hey Frank, you can't buy those things because the town can't pay you. And he's like, they can't. He's like, no, they definitely factually can't. Like you don't, and there's no recourse, and you're never gonna get the money. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the thing. That's why he needs a lawyer because, like, functionally, yes, they can't pay him in all one lump settlement. In terms of they can't, but there's no such thing in terms of like contract law of like you know I can't pay. Oh well, nope. Not true, especially when it's a fucking city that so, has the power to levy taxes. And, and, like, Andy is very, is sort of committing, like, almost elder abuse here. Like, he's, t- he's using his professional authority as, like, a trusted person in, in Frank's life and also, like, an authority figure to tell him a thing that is factually untrue. Basically, Stan Lee's manager at this <laughs> Yeah! Uh, R.I.P. Stan the man. Oh, that's, uh, wow. That was, that was our one, that's one That's a little tribute. too soon. Instead of instead of taking any logical deal, Andy's solution is to extreme home makeover. Yeah. Nice place. Yeah. He basically he basically turns in the two point eight million dollars that they owe him, and in exchange for like a weekend's worth of slave labor. Okay, and by the way, I have to just mention like I have in my notes maybe not the best phrase to use. Yeah, where, yeah, I have in my notes where did this place get a curb? Because when they're done, yeah. the place had a curb, <laughs> and before it, it was a dirt road in the middle of the woods. The best like, part is Frank. Like Frank says, like after they do the uh, after they do the manual labor, it's like it doesn't look like the same place. It, it literally isn't. isn't. They That's got the a different place. set. It was in a different. It's a different shaped house. Oh, like, so, yeah. oh, so you've got the money to build a new road, <laughs> right? To uh, install a sidewalk and to give Frank a second story. Like <laughs> they build a new. Like I guess he did get his money's worth because a couple of like pudgy old men. Built him a new house on top of his house. Yeah, did we mention that like the people who are actually doing the work are the mayor and the yeah. and the city council and they, the bank employees they for didn't some reason? Even pay day laborers uh, yeah. or any yeah. shit. They could just hire some handymen. We know that handymen travel through. Yep. Like, yeah, all the time. And they were just like like, we need to do this paying no money whatsoever. Me, an old man, will paint a house with my arms that don't totally work. <laughs> there, right. there there is a good little bit here. Where, like, the mayor's throwing a temper tantrum because Harlan painted two windows and the mayor painted three. Yeah. Uh, And Andy says, well, that makes sense. You always have been known to spread it on more than other people. Wank, wank. Which I think of the phrase saying, you spread on the bullshit. Yeah. 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 And And it it, it goes goes up up over the mayor's head, much like, you know, most most Frisbees. (laughs) (laughs) And any any tennis ball. Yeah. Which are frequently thrown at him. Just during general meetings. Whenever he starts to ask questions, like, wait, why are we doing this? Someone's just like, tennis ball. Go get it, boy. <laughs> just, ah. Oh. Then he, like, scampers after it. Oh, but, get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. But, yeah, they, they, like, they just do, like, an afternoon of, like, moderate labor to, like, yeah. clean and a that's yard. It. That is... 
three point that is three million dollars worth of chores yeah. on the do list. Uh, and they like, they like make a big thing like yeah. we gave you a new mailbox. He definitely got the shit end of this settlement. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. So uh, so. What happens is Frank asks to borrow a little bit of the spare paint, which I mean, it's your fucking paint, bro. Yeah. Like, uh, he asks to borrow the spare bit of paint so he can like do a touch up on the frame of his great great granddaddy's portrait, which shows him shaking hands with General Robert, Robert E. Lee. Lee. And, and I have this. I I have like I I was in my notes. I was right as I was watching this episode. I had that written down with a dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, like. I was feeling really good about this episode because I was like, it was all like, oh, you know, like financial justice and yeah. like helping your fellow neighbor right. and helping your fellow neighbor. And it felt like sort of like the Andy Griffith show had like shown up on my lawn and be like, I've changed. I'm socially conscious now. And then when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm letting you into my heart. It just like punched me in the stomach. Yeah. It was like, yeah, take that nerd, the South. It, 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 it's actually probably the first time I think they've just screamed like, we are the South. Yeah. Yep. Specifically the South. Yep. Not any other rural area. <laughs> the South. Specifically. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Roy Clark of Yeehaw. <laughs> oh, also, who also died this week. Really laying it on with the death this week, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> any, what, any, any other notable tragedies that you want to throw out? Which is your the, love life? Yeah, who is that? <laughs> who is the Princess Bride guy? Uh, William Goldman. Yeah, yeah. No, edit that in. So, like, you just said William Goldman. <laughs> like the the twi- the and that show on twist is hey hey the Confederacy. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, as soon as he says Robert E. Lee. Harlan, everyone, Fergus. everyone just like is like, wait a minute, yeah, <laughs> wait a damn minute. And the, this twist makes everything make sense because the reason that the the bond was framed was because it was worthless because it was Confederate. Well, maybe. Interesting. Oh, why the why the bond might actually have value? Like this is this is my thing. All right, this is uh, this is what I was. Uh, this is where you get your money's worth. Okay, so um, all right, so so the, just to be clear. You are our legal counsel. You are our legal counsel. <laughs> <laughs> From what you just I'm said. Your legal, I'm your legal guest. This owner, is a legally right? binding podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, up until the whole this point, Myers was in a pretty goddamn good position. And he totally torpedoed this by mentioning the Robert E. Lee thing. Because this sort of holds up. All right. Because here's the thing. All right. Uh it's uh, pretty ironclad, uh, not that it's, and it's not just in terms of, like, the Confederacy, the Confederate States of America doesn't exist anymore, and it's not a real country anymore, so, mm-hmm. you know, that money can't be worth anything. No. It's in the Constitution, because the uh, amendments that were passed during Reconstruction, the <gasps> you know, the after the Civil War, there was the 13th Amendment, which said, you know, nobody can be, you know can uh, be made a slave except as punishment asterisk. for except as except as punishment for a crime yeah asterisk then there's uh, the 14th amendment which is which is the due process clause um, and the substantive due process whereas like you know everything that we haven't talked about you know in terms of substantive rights and due process is reserved to the states it doesn't get absorbed by the federal government but there's a fourth section that nobody really talks about that much because it doesn't really apply that much anymore which is all about debt which makes it pretty clear that the union, and it says that the that the position of the United States that neither the union nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States. All such debts shall be illegal and void. 
as a matter of constitutional law, the Union made it very, very clear, uh, if you gave money to the Confederacy, no, you're not getting it paid back. We fucking beat them. They were trying to beat us. You paid for slavery. Guess you backed the wrong horse. Sit and spin, motherfuckers. Cool, cool, cool. So, like... Understandable. All yeah. right. <laughs> Isn't that what the Southerners blame as, like, the fault of Reconstruction? What? Essentially, what uh, when, when we talk about, like, the South will rise again and the massive, like, debt that they accrued and the, like, poverty levels that happened or during and after Reconstruction... Is that what the South is referring to, what they're so bitter about? What, say, a North Carolina would be very bitter about a hundred years later? Well, yes and no. Uh, as a matter, like, the way that uh, the Section 4 of Amendment 14 is written is that it says, you know, all such debts be illegal and void. All right? So, in other words, that basically means they are nullity. They don't exist. So, it's not like, you know, it's not like the federal government didn't pay them and they fell and, uh, you know, the default, the effects of the default fell back onto people living in the South. That's not the thing. It's basically like, from a legal perspective, the government is saying, uh, when you, when those debts were made, they were illegal, they're still illegal, we're not paying them, you're not getting paid, you backed the wrong horse, bye. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yes and no. I mean, there's a lot of things about Reconstruction that definitely, like, you know, the, the whole, a lot of the thing about, about Reconstruction and about the South will rise again and stuff like that is because their economy, you know, depended on slave labor. They had an incredibly rich economy because they had a fantastically fertile agrarian, you know, like, complex that they didn't have to pay labor for. Yeah. It made them one of the richest regions in the world. Like, you want to talk about, like, things, like, going on that still culturally persist in the South today about, like, you know, especially in North Carolina, about things like voter suppression and uh, gerrymandering and stuff like that. This is because the economy of the slave-owning South, like, it was stratified. Like, you know, in terms of, you know, the slaves were on the bottom and stuff like that, and there was a underclass of white people who didn't own land or slaves and then there was a slave owning class and then on top of that there was kind of a one percent that were kind of like the walmarts of the slave owning class that owned the big plantations and those are the people that created this big culture of anti-democracy that were like we really hate this democracy thing because there were abolitionists in the south um and the thing is is that like they in, they invented voter suppression in the South back then, all right? Because, you know, people who didn't own land were like, I don't want to vote against my landlord's interests because I might get kicked out of my house. And the, the slavery had the massive effect of consolidating wealth. Yes, like, yeah, absolutely. Because no, you, 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 like, since laborers weren't being paid, there was essentially no equivalent of the middle class in that, uh, in Definitely, that area. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. Like, you know, and so, like, you get this thing in terms of, like, the southern plantation slave-owning 1% culture where where they're, like, you know, where you get a lot this this vibe that's, like, you know, kind of really opposed to democracy and even wanting, uh, like, return to primogeniture. In, term, in other words, like, they want to go back to a feudal system where, mm -hmm. like, everything just stays in the family. If you want to, you know, look at, like, the cultural, like, roots of a lot of the stuff that's happening in Georgia and North Carolina right now... You look at that and that culture and the real and, you know, being real pissed off at losing that. All right. So the issue here, though, is whether this is a Confederate bond or whether this is a municipal bond, because they could be different. Because as I said, all right, when towns were developing and expanding across the frontier, you could have a municipal bond where it's like, you know, you're investing in the town, you're lending the town money in a couple decades or so, or whatever, you can cash this bond and stuff like that. That's one type of bond, which was basically for the town itself. Then, there's other types. 
which would be a Confederate war bond, which, you know, they had in the Civil War. They had, you know, leading up until World War II, you could buy war bonds and stuff like that, which were explicitly for the federal government for the purpose of raising money for war. So, so the thing is, there's, there's a point for and against in terms of that. Frank says that the bond was bought specifically in the context of the town. Yes, which, the, which points towards a municipal bond. But the lack of an expiration point points to it being a war bond. Could, because yes. towards the end of the war, that's the kind of bonds that the uh, that the Confederacy was picking up because they were desperate for any sort of yeah, money. Sure. So they were putting out complete junk uh, junk bonds that were a completely like complete raw deal just right. because they were t- trying to stay. Sure, alive. sure, 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 sure. But remember, the war ended in eight, the Civil War ended in eighteen sixty five. The date of the bond was eighteen sixty one, if I remember right. Thanks. Yes, you yeah, said right. that with a lot of confidence. No, so we're going to say yes. All right, he's correct. So, so but he, so here's the thing. All right. North Carolina was not among was not among the first uh, states to secede. All right, mm-hmm. it entered the Confederacy May twentieth, eighteen sixty one. Even if it was wasn't a municipal bond, if the if the bond was taken out before this time, he might still have a good argument that it was valid. All right, uh, and not covered by the Fourteenth Amendment because that was before secession, before the North Carolina seceded. All right, then he would still have a good argument. If it's afterwards, and especially if it's in the context of a Confederate bond rather than a municipal bond, he's fucked, and they're right. So he has, like, a shot still. He could have a shot. I don't know enough about the bond. We never get to see it. We never get to look at it. And no one does, except Andy. Yeah, except yeah, Andy, yeah. That's, like... So, and and they they find this out, and they immediately start, like, circling, and they're like, yeah, we the, have the, the high ground now. Yeah, the, 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 the vultures that are the city council are like, fuck you, Frank, yes. now you still owe us money, and guess what? Your house has higher property value now. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> now so, your taxes are higher, yeah. dick. Their, like, response should have been like, alright, so we're gonna walk away from you and lawyer the fuck up, like... Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, now there's, it's a court case rather than it just being, like, eat shit. Like, they, they're, they're immediately posture is like we're gonna kick your ass like well yeah but because yeah. this is mayberry and because everything can be like solved with a stern lecture from andy griffith yes that's exactly what happens andy gives them all a stern lecture about like their hypocrisy even though his hypocrisy had to be like pointed out to him by a small child yeah not two days earlier but he gives them a lecture and uh he says well now you've got this all fixed up and People are going to come through here and they're going to say, wow, what a wonderful town because they'll see this beautiful house that we all put our, our effort into. And as if right on cue. <laughs> Almost eerily on cue. Like like he had called them beforehand and set this up. Yeah. Like a couple of tourists drive up in a, in a convertible and say, hello, is there in the same like weird robot voice that oh, yeah. all out-of-towners have. I almost hello, people. We is are- there a... Hotel in this charming town of yours? <laughs> they all talk like fucking speaking spells. <laughs> they're like they're, they all talk like aliens who are just getting used to human language. Yeah. Do you, they talk like? Remember in like computer class when you figured out that you could do text to speech? Yeah, they yeah, all yeah. sound like that. Like right before you figured out that you could make them swear. God, that uh, brings back memory. This is actually my favorite part of the episode, though. Is Andy gives them directions to the to Jason's hotel, uh, and then says. By the way, did you happen to decide to stop here be- in this charming town because of this beautiful landmark of a house that you saw? And they just give him this look like, 
What the fuck are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? They're like, you weird man. And then they like ask, like, isn't this like some other town? Isn't or this like Eagleton or something? Yeah, they yeah. made it, it, it's no, actually it's, Elm City, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then they're like, no, it's Mayberry. And they're like, well, we're getting the yeah. fuck out of yeah. here. And then they drive off. Sit and spin! And then they leave. Yeah. That's it. And that's yeah. the end of the episode. Uh, and then we have the stinger. The stinger, which, like, all right. I want to talk about the fact that this has been, like, like reframed in the stinger that, like, they come into the mayor's office and Andy is like, hey, Frank oh, has yeah. some a really cool thing for you. It's a letter from the president. And then Frank yeah. just goes like, Jefferson Davis! Yeah, <laughs> this show has a really weirdly casual and light relationship with the Confederacy. Oh, well, oh, oh, yeah. Andy and the mayor are both uncomfortable. Like, they're both, like, Andy's like, oh. No, sh- a- Andy's chill about it. Remember, remember that when it was revealed that, uh, that Frank's great great grandfather was shaking hands with Robert E. Lee. They're Someone like, was like, yeah, as a southern man only would, or something yeah, exactly. like that. Yeah, and he oh, says, like, yeah. of course it's Robert E. Lee. Who else would a southerner be posing with? The yeah. mayor is uncomfortable. The mayor, like, hears, like, uh, 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 hears Jefferson Davis and is like, ooh. Yeah. And Andy's like, this is fine. I'm gonna get him out of here. Yeah, and, and that's uh, it. And that's the end and of the and episode. Then Frank just goes and, like, maybe, I guess, be, uh, it goes and bees homeless. Yeah, and. Yeah. Frank Frank is off to live in his his home rent free and just be a violent racist. Yeah, like, I guess. I Frank, guess. Frank is off to have some really bad opinions about race. Yeah, and then die. Yeah, yeah I guess. R.I.P. Frank. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, nope. We're just racking up casualties in this episode. <laughs> I mean, that guy's probably dead by now. Oh, oh super. certainly. I yeah. He looks yeah, like he died so. the second they stopped filming. Like <laughs> he would like they they're like end cut. Finally, I can move on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, and apparently Don Knotts had the week off, I guess. Yeah, yeah this is, like, the only, ep- this is, like, an episode where, like, Barney appears nowhere. Like, yeah. I-, I guess he was busy being bamboozled by the, like, uh, Hussey in the next episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He was, uh, he was being distracted by a shiny object for the yeah. duration of the episode. <laughs> also, so, uh, I tried to do, like, a little bit of preparation for this, and, uh, I talked to my friend who is a social worker who works, uh, uh, with the elderly. Yeah. And was like, okay, so in a modern day setting what would happen if uh, uh a mentally unfit older man uh was unable to pay his mortgage and i was expecting like okay well hud would step in right, and he'd right. probably be transferred into assisted living and he was just like he'd probably be evicted and just kind of like kicked out onto the street i was i was really expecting like oh let's look at how far we've come and like all the the government procedures that would kick in in this situation. It was just like, he'd die. He yeah, probably... Were you, though? Were yeah. you really expecting that? Yeah. I was expecting something. America. Like, I was... Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting, like, a slight... Like, it would be like, okay, we go into, like, like I don't know, like, assisted living or some <laughs> shit. There would be, like, a government transition. But it was just like, no, he'd die. That's a, that's a dead man <laughs> that you're describing <laughs> to me. All right, so on that note, let's go to our, our ratings, guys. All right, so so Andy Meter, how good is this episode? I, how much did you actually enjoy watching it? I'm going to say seven. Like, there were a couple of bits that made me laugh. Yeah. Like, it, I, I mean, it did, it, uh, I started to, like, analyze it as kind of just a fact, as just a fact pattern, and then when the Confederacy thing came in, I, I just kind of, like, threw my hands up and was like, okay, I guess I'm talking about the Constitution now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, I guess that, I'll give it a six. I, I, it's funny at times. <laughs> it is fun. It was funny, I guess. This first half of season two is full of episodes where it's like, well, it's not technically bad. 
And because there were some bad episodes in season one. Uh, yeah. So. It's honestly, it, it's one of the weird things about like episodes in season two where it doesn't feel like I'm watching a TV show. It feels like I'm just watching a thing that happened. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like, I did have a note about this that I like that I, I wrote down. It's kind of has Andy changed over the course of the show to become more mature? Because I remember when I was like, I, I was doing some like to refresh myself. I was kind of reading the Wikipedia page and there was something where like Griffith himself actually made a mention where he caught the show on reruns and he decided to kind of change his character where over the course of the show, Andy becomes a bit more kind of like well-spoken, a bit more of the father figure, a bit more mature, a bit more Lincoln-esque. Yeah. Rather, uh, yeah. rather than the, rather than necessarily part of the gap. He's, he's the fulcrum around the craziness of Mayberry yes. Revolves. And, and we're definitely and seeing we see this. this? We're, we're, I'm definitely seeing this, uh, and he's definitely becoming more of the stoic, uh, dad figure. Yeah. Uh, and there, you know, I mean, I don't, he's the I don't voice think, of reason and justice here. I yeah. don't think season one Andy would have, like, given these kind of, like, stern lectures. Season one Andy is definitely uh like you said part of the gag he's definitely um a little sillier a little more goofy and a little bit more willing to do a little bit more willing to uh go into the craziness and and be part of it and actually instigate it whereas in this in this episode in the next episode we see him like waiting patiently and just giving advice while everyone else uh, you know, we talked we talked about uh, King of the Hill yeah. as an example. The latter episodes of King of the Hill, where they dialed up the crazy on everybody. In fact, there's literally a King of the Hill episode called "Hank Fixes Everything," where you just make your main character that position to fix everyone else's. Problems. Holy shit! Like the more I think about this, the more I think that we should do like that. We should try to find an episode of of Andy Griffith and an episode of King of the Hill that are remarkably similar and do oh kind my- of like. Uh, and do so- some sort of analysis of like parallels. It would be I'm very easy in the process of that search because uh, number one, all King of Hill, King of the Hill is now on Hulu, which rules. Oh, nice. But King of the Hill is probably one of the closest things I can think of to a contemporary analog to the Andy Griffith Show. It, yeah, that's just what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, it, I, I think it, we've transitioned in season two. Like season one, it, it, it switches back and forth. Like I'm laughing with Andy, or I'm laughing at Andy, yeah. uh, or I'm supposed to be laughing with Andy. Um, we are now in full territory of, like, I'm consistently supposed to be laughing with Andy. Mm-hmm. Like, Andy has not been the butt of the joke in a while. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. key difference there. Um, uh, by the way, Dan, you still have not said how good this episode is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh six. I think, I think we're all gonna say six. Yeah. Six is yeah. fine. Uh, and then as far as, like, moral reprehensibility goes, like, uh, our FIFO meter. Oh, this one's actually... This one's really fun. weird. It's more just, like... Like, a legal angle and, like, how capable you think Frank is depends on this. I don't think Frank is all that capable of mm-hmm. anything. And I think this is a group of people, like, shafting an old man who does not know what is happening. So I'm going to say this is, like, a seven on the, like, shit meter for me. Again, it, this episode feels like the Andy Griffith show showed up on my lawn with a boombox. Like, John, uh, <laughs> like, like, I'm out of love. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry like, without you. Take me back, I've changed. <laughs> and then just promptly throws up on my couch. <laughs> like, oh, the racism. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, exactly. From, from, from now on, like, anytime you see these characters do anything, and you probably should have thought about it beforehand, but you just have to, like, 
in the back of your mind, no. Oh, also, they're probably violently racist. Yeah, yeah like it's like, like that's it's, like the thing. You've got like this whole kind of in the first half. You've got this like social justice thing where it's like this doddering old man getting getting abused by these like Mister Potter and It's a Wonderful Life kind of figures. Yeah, and then it turns out that like his one escape valve was financed by slavery. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like they open the like it's the most and the the front end is the most morally virtuous. That yeah. The <laughs> ever been and then the back end they open the pandora's box on racism <laughs> like that yeah like welcome welcome to the party it, racism it i'm was, surprised it took you this long what was great about it is like it's the most racist you can be without actually mentioning race yeah ever. yes <laughs> has there been a person of color in this show yet twice, twice? they did not have speaking lines they okay all right that one of them got a facial expression yeah okay all yeah right, they at least got to react yeah uh, but, yeah, no, so I don't know, okay, the first half of this episode is a zero, and the second half is a ten. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. I guess, <laughs> I guess a, you kind of even it out. A split thing, it's a five, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh. I, I, I feel like the racism, like, like, makes a bell curve a little bit, but, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess, like, wait, so I I already said six for Andes, and I guess, like, the moral reprehensibility, like, the first half, like, it was a really interesting legal problem for me, and then the second half, it was like, well, shit. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so, uh, I I don't know, like, uh, maybe a four, I guess. Alright. Alright, that's fair. Alright, so that's gonna wrap it up for us here on Breaking Mayberry. Uh, don't forget, you can... Follow us on Twitter. We are on Twitter at twitter.com slash breakmayberry on facebook.com slash breakingmayberry. Uh, you can email us with any thoughts or uh, explanations of obscure Confederate law uh, <laughs> at breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, give reviews, etc., etc. And you can also help us out on patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. That is it for us. Uh, our opening music is done by Max Ludwig, who is on the internet at Sleep Talkie. Our logo was designed by Emily Christina on Instagram. That's Scribble Emily. Um, do we have anything else? I think that's it. I, we, we did a shitload of housekeeping up front. We did. We did all the stuff up front. So, uh, yes, that's it for us. Ian, thanks for being with us today. Of course. It's been a pleasure. We will see you all down the fishing hole. Y'all yeah, come back Person. Fuck yeah. Eminent domain, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh,
No, that, that's not the right no, place. No, it's not eminent domain. If they were trying to build a highway through the house, then it would be eminent what, domain. What's this is just foreclosure. No, no, what's the, uh, what's the phrase for uh, police seizure? Like, when asset, 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 civil asset, asset forfeiture. Okay. That's also not this. Uh, just because, because as far as we know, Frank Myers has not committed a crime. Okay. I'm cutting all of that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of just you not knowing what the, like any law shit is. At all. 